listening, Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank you for listening. I'd love to start connecting with you, my listeners. If you'd like to share your thoughts about this episode or any of the episodes, watch for posts for each of them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I can imagine the energy of connecting over these inspiring people's stories. I mean, maybe, just maybe, you have the same passion, or maybe you've been wanting to talk to someone with this thing going on. Yes, we need to talk. Come find me. Hey there, so in today's episode, I'm talking with Steve Freeman. He's a songwriter, music producer out of Nashville with offices in LA as well. He found his passion for music really early and it's such a fun story to hear. He's made a lot of notoriety and had success in this field and he's now finding ways to give back and help others as they, you know, search for that same excitement, fame, and fun of the music industry itself. So here's Steve. Hey, Steve. Welcome to Glistening Particles. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's good to be with you. I know. I kind of wish we could switch places, though, because you're in L.A. and I'm in Wisconsin still. So I don't know how that worked out every time. Everyone's somewhere else. Well, you know, it it does seem to be that way. I absolutely love it out here. I love working out here. I love the weather out here. I love the vibe. And uh, so, yeah, I try try to get out here as, as much as humanly possible, which is quite frequently, really. Like, what is that? Like a couple times a month or every month? Uh, you know, it, it was there for a while, for several years. You know, it was, you know, one week a month. And, and um, you know, I've got kids, so it's kind of like I, I'm really trying to scale back a little bit. Now it's, it's you know, maybe, maybe 10, 12, 13 days every you know, 45 days or so, a month and a half. And, hmm. and um, it, it just, I, I, try to, I try to plan um, so that I know if, like, if I'm producing a record or if I've got rights, uh, co-rights set up out here, I kind of lump them all together in one time period so that I can, you know, come make a, a, a 10-day trip and get everything done. Oh, that's nice. So you are, ba- so we should tell people what you do. I'll let you describe that. Uh, well, I'm a uh, songwriter and a, uh, and a music producer. Uh, I'm based full-time in Nashville. I've been in Nashville for about 15 years now, so that's... That's really home, um, but uh, you know, write a lot of songs and and for you know, very for artists and for TV, film, and and uh, and then I produce a lot of artists as well that you that you uh, hear on the radio and and a lot that that you don't that are just very successful independent artists, which is something I actually I, I prefer working with independent artists over 
over established or, or major label artists uh, for sure. But yeah, that's kind of the thing, you know. It's it's the entertainment business. If you if you tell yourself that you've only got to wear one hat, that you're going to fail from day one. So you end up wearing a lot of different hats, you know. I, I I've kind of been all over the map, but I, I I love it to death. You know, it's it's uh, I, I think I kind of maybe fifty percent chose it, and fifty percent chose me. So. Ooh, how did that happen? How did you get into this particular career? Uh, well, I'll try to make a, a very 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 long story as short <laughs> as possible. Um, but uh, you know, I, when I was a kid, my my earliest music memory was my, hey, uh, as silly as it sounds, uh, was my uncle who had the music bug bit him you know, uh-huh. very, very young. And he was the only person in our entire family that that uh, was really musical. And um, my earliest memory is him playing me the uh, theme to the Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> and All right. Every, and every time, every time, you know, we'd go over to their house or he'd come over, he'd bring his guitar and, you know, that was my thing. It's like, hey, play that William Jennings song. Uh-huh. It was like, that was a, you know, so it's a big thing for me. And, and that's when it really, that's, honest to God, that's when I knew that I wasn't sure how uh-huh. music was going to play a part in my life, but I knew that I wanted it to be my life. And, and that was, you know, I was probably four or five years old. Wow. Um, and um, it kind of went from there. And, and actually, he, he is a... A common thread through through my journey that you know you fast forward a couple of years and he had this uh, this idea of opening a nightclub uh-huh. but it was a non-alcoholic nightclub so it was geared towards teenagers you know get kids off the street and um, so he opened this club and me being a music junkie I'm like you know all right I, I want a DJ oh and, very cool where where was this I, by the way where was this it, this was in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay, that's, that's okay. Where I, that's where I grew up. All right. Um, and so, I, I, of course, like any family or guest goes, yeah, you know, go ahead and do that. <laughs> um, and I was out there one day just listening to music, going through stuff for what we were. And, you know, at the time, I'm, I'm 13 years old. Right. Oh, so, wow. So, you know, I, I'm really young at, at that time. And, and um, so... Uh, in comes a uh, an ad executive from the local radio station, one of the local country radio stations. And uh, they're talking to my uncle about buying ads for the club on the radio station and all that. And I kind of hit it off with, with one of the people. And and about a week or two later, it's like, you know what, I want to do radio. That's, really? That's and I'm, this is that, 13. That's my college. This is at 13. This is 13 years old. Yeah. Oh so and, and this this was back. You know, this was back before deregulation, so it, it it's it was a bunch of independent owners that owned radio stations. It wasn't the cumulus, iHeartRadio, CBS conglomerate, corporate established mm-hmm. satellite radio that we have today. Um, and I literally did. The station was Kissing ninety six FM, and uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, I, I had my mom uh, drive me up to the radio station. I walked straight up to the front desk and I said, I want to speak to the owner. You know, I didn't know. I, it's like, like the owner would actually be there. You know? <laughs> and uh, so, and he, and he just happened to be there. And, no um, way. Yeah, and he did. And his, his name was, uh, I'll never forget this man uh, as long as I live. His name was Jerry Atchley. And uh, he owned a company called Southern Skies Corporation. And 
He owned four radio stations uh, there in Little Rock. And uh, I walked right back there and he goes, what can I do for you? I said, I want to work here. I said, I want to be a disc jockey. It's what I want to do. I want to be on the air. I want and he goes, well, you don't start there. And I said, well, you tell me where I need to start. He goes, can you be here every day after school? And I'm like, I'll be here whenever you want me here. So he brought me on as a, I guess they classified me as an intern. Right. Um, and um, I'd, I'd wash the station vehicles. Um, <laughs> I do. There's, you know, we had Oakland and is a horse race track. And we, back in those days, you know, we used to report the obituaries and horse race results. So I'd listen to those and write those down for the guy that did that. And just anything, get coffee, anything that, that needed to be done. I, I was the kid. So, I, I like you know, so I, admire that you did that at that age that you were like, I'm doing this thing and walked in there and talked to the owner. Like, do people do that anymore? No, I, you know, I don't think they do. I, I think there is this, well, I'll tell you, I'll just be real honest with you. And, and you know, that's, I've told you that about me. I, I'm real honest. I, I, I tell you the reason that it doesn't happen anymore is because we live in a society of people who are waiting on somebody else to do it for them. Mm. Um, you know, no, nobody, nobody takes the bull by the horns anymore. They sit around and, and wait on the bull to come to them. Um, back then, it, it was, you know, and this was late eighties, early nineties, and, it, and it, it, it's like I didn't know any other. I didn't, in my mind, I could not understand why in the world. I mean, I knew that the only guy that could make the decision whether or not I could work there was the guy that made the ultimate decision. So get me to that guy as fast as humanly possible. <laughs> I love and, that. Uh, and and he was just such a he was such a great man. He he ended up dying of cancer a few years ago, mm. and uh, I hadn't seen him in years and years and years. But it, it affected me like like I had seen him yesterday. Oh, um, I bet. I mean, he was, he was very formative. He was. He was. And you know, it, I, I did that, and I probably did that for like a year. And uh, I'll never forget a day in my life. Uh, there was a Sunday morning, and the guy that was supposed to be on the air on Sunday morning, uh, called in sick. Okay. And there was no other part-timers could be there. And I'm like 50. <laughs> and, and so the program director calls me and he goes, Steve, can you come in and fill in on Sunday? You know, like, like in five hours, you know, right. it was a six, six to noon shift. And I'm like, absolutely. He goes, now, you know, the thing of it is, you know, for the first four hours, all you're going to be doing is it putting in the CDs and running the, uh, uh, the Bob Kingsley American Country Countdown, but there is an hour live. That eleven to twelve hour is live, and I mean, you're gonna, you know, do you know what to do? The liner cards are in there, just you know, just follow the follow the format. And I'm like, okay, I can do that, and so I did. And you know, at 15 years old, here oh I'm live gosh. on the biggest radio station in the state of Arkansas. And oh my gosh! Like you actually knew what to do. I mean, had you watched I, it enough that you knew what to do? Oh, I, I mean, I'm not too bone horn, but I was pretty damn good at it. Oh um, my gosh, that's I, amazing! Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm the guy that I would have a I have two tape decks set up, and I have the radio playing on one, and then I have a cassette recording in the other side. Uh-huh. Well, I I have the radio on, and just as I knew that that song was about to be over, I'd take my left hand and start fading it down and hit play and record on the other one, <laughs> and I would I would DJ my own show. So oh it's like, gosh. I knew all the liner notes, I knew all the call signs, I knew everything. So for me, it was, it was like, it was secondhand. Um, and that, that, you know, it bit me, the radio bug bit me even, you know, years now, I've been out of that game for, you know, 
a lot of years now, almost 20 years. And, and but it's still in, it's still in my blood. You know, that took me from doing that little one time that took, you know, I was on then. I got a show every weekend. And that led to me uh, the day I graduated high school. I left to take my first full time job in radio in Fayetteville, Arkansas, to do a, a morning show in Fayetteville, which led to going back to the biggest station in Arkansas to do a show, an afternoon show. And that led to Nashville, to Chattanooga, to Phoenix, to Uno, Arizona. And and I did it for better part of, of uh, 12, 15 years. And uh, oh, wow. it was great. It was a, you know, it was an awesome part of my life. But, but um, it's, I told my wife that when I, I would leave it and I would leave it all behind the day that I woke up and I didn't want to go in. Okay. The day that it wasn't fun anymore. When, so when it became happen? about, and it happened, you know, and, and I, I think if I had ever just stayed as an on-air personality, mm-hmm. that, that I would have been really happy. But I've always been an overachiever my entire life. So it was like I wanted to be the program director. So then I started being a program director and I started being the one in charge. And if I'm being real honest, I got very jaded because... I, a, a radio station would hire me. This, like, for example, in, in Arizona, I, I went out to Yuma, Arizona, to take over a country radio station out there, mm-hmm. and I think I think I was 22. Wow! You know, and, and our station, I had been a part of stations and won CMA award stations of the year, Billboard state. So, I, I people didn't understand when they were talking to me. They're talking to a 21 year old kid, <laughs> and, and so I show up, and and. I'm run. I'm the program director. I'm running the radio station, and everybody's 20 years older than me. Oh my gosh! And, and so you automatically don't get any respect, and then that in me that fueled the the fire in me. It's like, no, you are going to respect me because of what I've done, and mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. That kind of took over a little bit, and and it and it really took the fun out of it. Plus, not to go too far into it, but you know, Clear Channel. I work for Clear Channel mm-hmm. uh, because they bought out Jerry's company. And, okay. And so I, I, I didn't like a lot of the ways the Clear Channel did business. And when they went to this collective contesting thing where every station in the country pulled their promotional budget together, and then you'd call a 1-800 number to win a contest, and then they may be, that winner may be in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I'm sitting in Yuma, Arizona, but then that winner in Wisconsin would say, hey, this is... Jane Doe from Yuma, Arizona, and I just want a new car. And it's like, no, we're lying to our listeners because oh. Jane Doe is, is not in Yuma. She's in Wisconsin. Oh, that's weird. And so, and they still do it that way, huh. you know, a lot to this day. And, and that just wasn't, it just wasn't for me. And, and like I said, I literally, I literally, we woke up one day, I woke up one day in Yuma, Arizona. We were 3,000 miles away from anybody we knew. And I said, I'm done. I, I I cannot do this anymore. So we ended up the only safety net we knew was was moving back home to, mm-hmm. to Arkansas. And so we moved back and I had this uh which at the time was a ridiculous idea. Uh-huh. Because what you and what you and I are doing right now didn't exist back then. Right, right, right. And so I had this idea that I'm gonna start an internet radio station. <gasps> Very cool. So, I, I did, but my thing was, I'm going to make it like a real radio station. Okay. I'm going to have a morning show, an afternoon show, a midday show, a night show. I'm going to program it exactly like I would perform uh, program a program a major market radio station. I'll do the morning show. It's going to be awesome. 
We'll sell ads. It's it's going to be phenomenal. Well, I was about 10 years ahead of my time. <laughs> um, but I was the first person to ever have an internet radio station that had a million listeners a day. A million? And a million listeners a day. Um, but we, could, we couldn't sell ads because, you know, people are like, an internet radio station? What is that? Mm-hmm. That's the dumbest thing I've, I've – and I'm like, no, I mean, we got like a million people a day, and they're like, prove it. And I'm like, well, prove that anybody's listening to regular radio. So you know, is that what ultimately turned into satellite radio or was that already it, it was, in existence? Well, it was it was in existence. Uh, that's back when you had Sirius on one side, you had XM on the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, channel availability was very little and there were no live on air personalities on, on satellite radio. It was okay. just music, you know, okay. elevator music. Um, but it, it was it, then what really <laughs> went south was I said, I, you know what? There were local radio stations. I, got, I took a lot of heat mm-hmm. because, and, and quite honestly, I drew the attention of some of the largest broadcasters in the company in the country. And they really started taking aim at me and trying to take me down because I knew where the technology was going. They knew where the technology was uh-huh. going. Streaming was everything. And that's where it was going to be. People were eventually going to be streaming audio in their cars. And everybody looked at me like I was a complete moron. <laughs> and, so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to beat you at your own game. I'm going to start a live local internet radio station Ooh. where I take on where I take on the local talk station. So I waited for two of the biggest talk show personalities in the state for their contracts to come up, and I signed both of them. Oh wow! And now, mind you, I'm still like 25. Oh my gosh! So, so this is like the start of podcasting. <laughs> This is the start of podcasting and everything. Except we broadcasted live over the internet at 128k. Oh my god! So it was CD quality audio. So I started the station. It was all local. I went out, signed to contracts these local talk radio personalities. I had a very liberal talk show host on in the morning and a very conservative one on in the midday. <laughs> so it was a battling thing, you know. Uh-huh. And um, and then I got the call one day that that. One of the major broadcasting companies wanted to buy me out, uh-huh. and they saw where where that was going, um, and I ended up selling both of the radio stations to huh. uh, a broadcasting company. Uh, but before I did, I did end up beating them at their own game because I struck a deal with ABC and actually started uh, – I had uh, an affiliate network of regular terrestrial AM stations that were carrying our, our feed. Wow. So I actually took it from online to terrestrial radio and had a whole network put together and, and what all is, this. What is terrestrial radio that I need that? Is that like, I think it's outer space, so I must be wrong. Right? Yeah. No, 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 I mean, you're, no, you're not far off. Terrestrial radio is what we consider AM and FM. At what, um, what? That's AM and FM. Oh, okay, gotcha. So like okay. An, an, an AM station and, and an FM station are what we call terrestrial radio. Okay. Uh, and... You know that's 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 kind of that but, insider lingo. Yeah. I love it. And actually, yeah, it's, it's, uh, if I can tell you, I think I've officially, if we can count and get it, make it a drinking game, I've officially said "wow" more times than any other episode so far. So just want <laughs> to give you that. <laughs> well, save, I've got a few more for you. Oh, okay. I'll save some of them. <laughs> but you know that, and then that that kind of led. I've I've always played music. Okay. You know, I, I've I've always been very musical. Um. I 
I, I'm one of those people. I mean, I don't like to call myself special, but there's not a lot of us out there. I don't think that I, I play by ear. Okay. So all, all I have to do is be able to hear something and I can turn around and play. Well, that's um, special to me because I can't play or sing anything. So you've already got me beat. So go on. <laughs> well, and I, and, I, and I can't read sheet music. So it, it's, you know, I would hear something on the radio. I would pick up a guitar and I never took lessons or anything like that. And I'd pick a guitar and just figure out how to play the song. I'm so and, jealous of that. Like seriously. Well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, in all honesty, because it's you, my brain never stops working. Ah. And, and so it's like, I'm always exploring new things and, and new opportunities and new ways to, to do things. Cause my brain just won't kick off, you know? Right. So, so I, I had done that. I'd sold and I knew that I didn't want in the radio business anymore, mm-hmm. um, but I knew that I wanted to be in the music business. And then I even consider, right. I consider people, in the radio business, in the music business. Well, for so sure. That's, yes. That's what, that's what, how they make their money is music. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I said, but my entry to it in knowing the radio market, the way that I do it and knowing that business was like, told my wife, I said, I'm going to start a record label. So that's what you did <laughs> next? Like, and how old yeah. are you? Like 28 or something? Uh, I know. I mean, I was still like 26. Jeez. And, 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 and she goes, okay. <laughs> so I, which led to me going back and forth to Nashville and signing artists and dealing with artists and, and loving songs. And, and that turned into me just writing songs on my own. I mean, I'd always written songs, don't get me wrong, but at that point it's like when you get into the financial aspect of the music business, um, the more you own something, the more money you're going to make from it. So mm-hmm. instead of cutting all these outside songs, I talked to our artists like, man, let's write this stuff ourselves. Mm-hmm. There's no reason in giving a piece of that pie up if we don't, if we don't have to. And we're a small independent label. We, you know, we, for every dollar we send out, we need three to come back in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started kind of out of, out of an enjoyment, but also out of a necessity to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then I'm like, well, why are we paying this guy fifty thousand dollars to produce this record? You know, I know how to do all that. You know, and at the time I didn't, but <laughs> I said, you know, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn. You know, and so just like everything else, I, I taught myself how to do it. I knew what I liked. I knew what I, I knew the sounds that I liked. I knew I'd go back and study records and listen mm-hmm. and go, and I'd find out, you know, what microphones did they use on the drum kit? You know, what. What, what's all that different combination of stuff? And that's where it started. So where did this take you next? Where did you go well, next? Well, it, 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 uh, it, it the, the, the record label was an epic failure. Um, <laughs> all part you know, of the process? It, it, well, it is part of the process. And, and, and you know, I tell, I tell new artists, song, new songwriters, new producers, new whatever, is that the most important thing that you will ever do is fail. And mm-hmm. when you fail, fail epically. Fail in the biggest way possible because that's where the lessons come from. You cannot learn how to do something right until you've done it wrong. Mm-hmm. And and it's those, I mean, that was a, you know, for me, quite I'm just, that was a million dollar lesson I learned. You know, it, it's like I, I lost damn near everything. Oh. And but but it but it taught it taught me how to do things how not to do things and it also taught me that you can't win 
in that situation. And I do not believe in running races that you can't win. Okay. And and it's I realize that that, that independents don't have a role in the music business from a record label standpoint. Independent record labels don't make money. They just don't. Are there a lot um, of them though? Oh, there's there's a ton of them, but they're funded. Okay. People think they can make money. So they go out and they get investors and they run these things and and you know, they may make money, but they don't make money. Gotcha. And and that was see, for me I was never if I couldn't be the top guy that I didn't I wasn't interested in being there. Uh-huh. So so for me, it wasn't like if I ever heard somebody say, oh, Steve's record label is, is successful for an independent label. That bugged me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want the designation of because we're an independent, we're successful for being an independent label. Mm-hmm. I just want to be successful because we're a good label. Right. And and that wasn't that wasn't possible. Um, and I learned that lesson. And uh, but what did stick around was the songwriting and producing. You know, I started, from that point, I said, okay, I'm doing a live record. I'm just going to write songs. Mm-hmm. So I went out and, uh, and signed a publishing deal and just started writing songs. And from from having the record label and producing a lot of those artists, when I would go in to demo my songs for my publisher, which that's where we go in and we record the songs, we give them to the publisher, the publisher takes them out and pitches them to the artists. Okay. To, to, to cut for their projects. A uh, little side note here for anybody who's listening that's ever heard anything about songwriters and, and publishing. We do not sell our songs. I hear that. I hear that more. So, Hey, have you sold a song lately? Well, we don't, we don't sell songs. We write for a publisher that pays us a draw and they go out and they get the songs cut. The only way we make money is when a song that we've written either is on the radio um, or it is on a CD and we get mechanical licensing when those CDs are printed and then we get money when those CDs are sold and or played on the radio. We don't we don't go like, hey, I've got this great song. All right, I'll give you a thousand bucks for it. That's not how our business works. Okay. That's how a lot of people think. That's how everybody thinks that it works. But yeah, that's, how, that's, that's what not, I thought. That's what I thought. So. That it, it, people are, are so more familiar with publishing like a book. Right. Publishing where... And people get that. Oh, they pay the writer in advance for the book. Mm-hmm. And then they turn around and sell the book to bookstores. Right. Same thing with songs. Okay. Same exact way with songs. Okay. Um, so I would go in and, and my publisher started pitching my demos. And people are like, oh, my God, who cut this demo? Because it sounds like a record. It's not a, it's not a demo. That's, I mean, I could put this on the radio tomorrow. So they'd say, oh, well, you know, our, our writer, Steve, did it. Mm-hmm. So people started contacting me about producing records because they had heard my own demos. Very and nice. that led to writing with a lot of the artists that that I was that I then started producing records for and and um, you know it's it's a relationship thing. Mm-hmm. And anybody that tells you that the music business is about music is, is a liar. Um it's not. It's not about great songs. I mean, turn on the radio. It's the last time you heard a great song. You know, it's about relationships, and which was hard for me because I don't, I don't build relationships well. Oh. Um, I, I, I really don't build them well. I've always considered myself an outsider. Hmm. Um, I've been labeled an outsider pretty much my whole life, um, and I'm fine with that. 
And I, and I actually, I can admit, I do have a little bit of an attitude about it. And so I'm not, I'm, I'm the, you know, I, I posted something on Instagram the other day and, and it's me to a T and, and the saying was very simple. It's made the bridges I burn like the way. Wow. And You're I like tell people opposite then. Yeah. You know, I've never been afraid to burn a bridge. And, and then I then rebuild it just so I can burn it down again. Oh, and so, you know, and, uh, it, uh, that's, you know, that's just, that's, that's so I should proceed. I, right I need to proceed with caution then. See, I'm the opposite. I'm like my, and I don't do it intentionally. It's just how I am. Like I connect people. That's what I do. I build relationships right. and connect people. So I'm like a bridge builder. You might need me sometime. Well, Hey, you know, we, we can, I can always trust me. I, I have been very successful in my career, but I'm also the first one to tell you that I, had I been more of a relationship person, I'd be 10 times more successful than I am. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I was kidding. I'm sure you're, you're doing pretty no, well no, on your own. No, 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 no. No, people tell me all the time, you know, we just trust me. I, 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 it, but, you know, I, here's what I found. And this is a personal experience. Okay. I, I have just found that if when I, I've never found it to be worth it to invest in people. And especially when you, when you inject expectations into that mm-hmm. and see, that's, that's what I've managed to do is learn to remove those expectations. And so I, I used to, I'm, and this is the, the weirdest thing people will tell you. I'm the nicest guy you'll ever meet. I'm the most loyal person that you will right. ever meet. But, but, and I'm loyal to a fault, but you cross me one time and you're done. Huh. I don't have time to waste to invest in people, invest in relationships for them to go nowhere. Right. But I mean, you do, it, you do do things for people. Like I've seen that you really uh, help people like the indie, indie artists and help them get up on their feet and you help people with information on how to break into the business and all of that. So you do, you do help people a lot. I, I well, you know what I, I do. It, it's, it's more from my, like the industry, Okay. the, 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 the people in the industry that run this industry. Gotcha. Um, I just, I, I never played the game. Um, and that, that held me back a lot. Um, I mean, I, there are several instances where I know it kept me from major opportunities because I wouldn't kiss anybody's ass. Right, but and, you, but you're happy. Oh, absolutely. So I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I, honest to God, I, I really wouldn't have it any other way because it sounds corny as hell. But at the end of the day, where where I am or where I'm not is exactly where I put myself. Right. So I I don't have to blame. Well, that guy at Sony didn't like me. I didn't kiss his ass enough for him to do enough for me. I don't have to worry about any of that. Right. It's it's all on me. I have nobody to blame but me. If this success succeeds or it fails, it's a hundred percent on my shoulders. And that's, and that's solid, exactly where I'm. And that's a solidly great feeling, I think, for anyone, no matter what they're doing. If they know they didn't sell out and they know they worked hard. That's the best feeling wherever you end up. Well, it, it, it really is. And I made a, I made a very constant, I mean, it was like a light bulb went off in my head uh, a few years back. And 
this is something that I now, when I'm mentoring or when I'm producing an artist or, or, or doing an artist development project, I'm developing an artist. Um, pretty much the first question that I, my, my step one before I work with anybody is I sit down and ask them one simple question. And the, and their answer to that question is, the basis of whether that's the basis of the decision of whether I work with them or not. And that, and I've gotten good enough now where I know when you're lying to. So I don't even, I don't even need you to tell me you're telling the truth. I, I know it. Um, but I ask them one very simple question and that is, what is your goal? Do you want to be successful or do you want to be famous? Because I'm not in the fame business. Right. I'm in the success business. Right. And if you want to be successful, then I can help you. If you want to be famous, nobody can help you. Because what I found is that most people that want to be famous are already superstars in their own mind. So there is nothing that anybody can ever do that will rise to the level of their expectation. Ah. Because they're, they're already a superstar in their own mind. And you can't do anything for that person. But somebody that's willing to humble themselves and go, you know what? I don't have to be a household name. I want to get to a place where I can provide for myself. That this is my living. This I was telling somebody this the other day, and, and this is, you know, this is honesty. But there's also a big difference in being, being noticed mm-hmm. uh, and being appreciated and being famous. Mm-hmm. Because if I would, I would be lying if I said that the going all the way back to day one, the only reason that I wanted in the radio business is because I wanted to be popular. Ah. I, want, I wanted people to know who I was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily a fame thing. Mm-hmm. It, it was about being respected. Credit. About you wanted credibility. Appreciated. You wanted credit. And you wanted somebody to go, damn, you're good at that. Right, right. You know, and and even still to this day, I mean, it, it's I've gotten a lot less of it because now it's about quality of life. I, I could care less. If, if people know my name, and I, matter of fact, I've tried really hard the last five years to stay off of the radar. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you drive if you drive down Music Row in Nashville, everybody's got banners up of you know so and so our songwriter just wrote this number one hit for Miranda Lambert, and they, they're mm-hmm. big pictures on it and all that. And it's like I made a decision a long time ago that all of that really makes you is a target. Mm. And I don't really want to, I've got, with being an outsider and being just having my attitude and personality the way that it is, I don't need a bigger target on my back than I've already got. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I don't publicize a lot of my success. Okay. I, I don't, when, when something, when I've done something and it, you know, sells a million copies, I, I don't, I don't talk that loud about it. You know, I don't, I don't, because I don't, at this point, I don't, I don't care who knows that I did it. I know that it provides me and my family with the lifestyle that we want to live. Right. And, right. and that's all, that's all that matters to me. And then I had somebody that they told me, and you just sound like you're all about, all about the money. And I was like, no, no, no. It's the, the money doesn't have it's the anything freedom. to do with it's it. The freedom. That, it's the freedom to continue to do what I want to do right. without people in my business. I was doing a, a writer's round one night and for, for you or anybody listening that doesn't know what a writer's round, it's one of the things that, Nashville's famous for and it's where songwriters sit together in a round and we put on a show and people pay 
and they come and they sit and they listen to us sing our original songs that they've heard other artists sing on the radio. Mm. And I want to go to that. It's an amazing experience. It, it, it's because the, the, when we write a song that Keith Urban records, mm-hmm. yeah, Keith Urban delivers it well mm-hmm. and it sounds awesome and it makes us a lot of money and that's all great. Right. But there's no, there's nothing like sitting and watching and listening to the guy or girl that wrote that song tell about the story of how that song came about. Can anybody go and to that, what, or do you have to be like on the inner, the inner circle? Oh no, no, it, no, it, no! It's open to the public. Bluebird Cafe, okay. um, uh, Puckets. I mean, you can find there's a writers' right. There's a thousand of them a night. Okay. In Nashville, and they are all open to the public. Um, I do, I don't do them very often because um, we actually the, the darker side of business. We have people that steal songs. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't go play out a lot of those. I do. I will play the Bluebird Cafe, um, and then I'll play uh, the Ten Pan South Songwriters Festival okay. every year. I'll always do a round uh, for for them because I don't I don't worry about that with that. But I was doing a songwriter round one night, and I I I did a song that I wrote, and. I had somebody come up. It's the first time it ever happened. I'd heard stories that happened to everybody else. It never happened to me. And I had somebody come up to me. And this song, mind you, um, had never been cut by another artist. Okay. So nobody nobody ever heard it. This was not a big popular song. Nobody had ever heard it. But I, I, I liked the song. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to play this one tonight. I played it. I had somebody come up to me afterward. And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, she was started crying and, and mm. she said, you'll never know what listening to that song tonight kept me from doing. <gasps> oh. And, and she said, she just started crying and she goes, I, that I needed so much to hear that, that touched my life wow. in a way that it, it changed my life. And until that moment, uh, I had never realized it, but, it changed something in me that made me realize that the reward for what we do is not being known for doing it. Mm-hmm. It is that it touched somebody out there. Mm-hmm. Like a ripple um, effect. I, like a ripple effect. It, yeah. and, and it does. And it, and it, it you know, I, I had the, I had the experience here recently. Um, and I was, I got a message, um, through Facebook, I wrote a song with a new artist on uh, Sony mm-hmm. called Man of the House. And the song was for him. He cut it. It's, it's on his album that just came out. And it was a song. It's his story. Mm-hmm. And and uh, me, him, and a, and a girl named Kylie Morgan wrote it together. And I got a message from this lady, and she goes, that that's my story. And it was about single moms. Oh. And, and, um, it was, it was Jay's story, but you come to realize that it's millions of people's story. Yes. And it is so, I would rather somebody come up. It means so much more to me mm-hmm. when somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, that song you wrote, man, it touched my life. I mean, it, it really touched my life. Thank you so much. It got me through a very difficult time. 
that means so much more to me than somebody coming up to me and saying, Hey, I bought, I downloaded that song you wrote the other day. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so when I, when I write, I, I, I write things that mean something to me and that it's an experience that I've had, or it's something I'm thinking about, or it's, it's, you know, I've written songs before just witnessing something and, mm-hmm. and how that impacted me. And, and so when I, they these songs are you know they're like your kids you love them as much as you love your children exactly uh, because there's so, so much of you in them so whenever they mean something so profound to somebody else it's it proves that we are all in this human experience together mm-hmm. i was thinking and, the same and, thing you know it, it is it's a corny thing to say but music is a is a universal language and that is important to me and I don't take that lightly, and I, and I certainly don't take it for granted. So when I hear fluff mm-hmm. come out that, you know, we're obviously targeting a 12-year-old kid, um, that, that, that I, I back away from the industry at that point because that, that's, not what, that's not what I'm in this for anymore. That's not what I write songs for. I don't, I don't write songs so that this girl can cut it and be a big pop star. Right. That that's, I, I, I'm a message person. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm every song I think that I've ever written has a pretty poignant message. Do you um, have, do you have a favorite song that you've written? One that like just has always been the one. I would, I do. Um, and actually you can, it, it was never, I wrote it with a, um, uh, just a quick story. Um, That's what I we do with, here. <laughs> with with a good friend of mine um, who is also an artist, uh-huh. but he's he's a successful independent artist, and and this song has been on hold for for several major artists, and and, and they just never cut it, and, and I don't understand why. But hmm. probably my favorite song is I've got two actually, um, but one of them is a song called Any Minute Now. Okay, and. Um, it's uh you can find it it's by an artist named dean fields okay uh it was actually the title track to his record two records ago okay. um but uh he showed we'd only we'd only met one other time mm-hmm. um and so we didn't really know each other and um he came in to the right this one day and we were trying to go off on different paths and just kind of see where what song what kind of song we wanted to write and I could tell that something was, was really bothering him. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though, I, like I said, I didn't know him. And so finally I said, man, what's wrong? I said, you know, something's wrong. What's, what's going on? He goes, um, he goes, I, I've not talked about this with anybody, but he goes, my, my wife is sick. Oh. And D- Dean's a young guy. Okay. Um, and, and his wife is young. She's a school teacher. And, and I said, I mean, like, not feeling well today or like, you know, sick, sick, sick. And, and he goes, she's sick, sick. Mm. And we just found out. Oh, no. And, and I'm like, well, man, then you don't need, number one, you don't need to be here today. I said, mm-hmm. you know, you, you need to. And he goes, no. He goes, this is right where I need to be right now. And oh. I said, well, let's, let's just hash it out. Let's talk about it. And, um, so we started messing around. He started talking about how he was feeling about it. 
And um, he said this line, and it just kicked off the entire thing. And, you know, I was playing this part on the guitar, and he said, you know, in a minute. And I'm like, okay, that, that could definitely, I mean, how things can change mm-hmm. in, in a minute. Right. And, um, and we just, we kind of went from there. Uh-huh. And the song talks about just that. It's, it's, the, the first line of the song is in a minute. She can try on everything she owns. And it, and it's, it's so simple. Right. It's, it's, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it, 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 it gets me emotional thinking about it actually, because uh-huh. it, it was such a, it was such a powerful day, you know, it's and and it just kind of went from there, you know, and, uh, and it talks about growing together and, and appreciating every moment as it comes and and uh, it's 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 just it's one of those songs that's just very special to me so how long ago was this that was probably uh maybe six seven years ago i'm gonna have to ask the obvious question is his wife okay uh yes she's fine that was kind of the the thing is she pulled through it and um she went went into remission and uh, has has not had any problems uh going forward um and so you know it's music's therapy too you know and i think it helped him through that period um it certainly helped me from another perspective Mm -hmm. of appreciating what i have a little more right um and, you know, and it's, it carries such an energy. Like that's what I, whenever I listen to songs that I, that really move me, you can tell it's not just someone scratched out some quick words on a piece of paper. They like poured their soul into it. And it's so powerful. Like I thought of this time when I, when we were talking about music now, when I'm out biking, right. And I'm listening to a song that just really makes me feel like release sadness or whatever. So I'm out biking on the trail. I'm crying my head off, right? Right. Like out in the middle of nowhere, like just letting it out. And then all of a sudden I stop for a minute and I pull out my earbuds and I realize like, oh my God, nothing is really happening here. <laughs> it's just, it's like the, the, the insects are buzzing, you know, the birds are flying, the sun is shining yet. Like the emotion of the music was so powerful. It pulled all of that out of me in that moment. Well, I, you know, I, and this is it's certainly not my song, but uh, I, I will never forget this as long as I live and, and to witness. I, and it's the only time that I can ever really think of in my entire life, in my entire career, where I literally saw music change somebody's life. Mm. And I was at a writer's round. I wasn't doing it, but I was invited to it. Um, and there were several of my friends that, that were playing. Jeffrey Steele was a writer that was playing. And Jeffrey, I could sit here for two hours and go on on all the songs that you'd know that Jeffrey Steele's written. Um, mm. But there's this one in particular that he wrote. Um, and his um, his son, and we can believe he was even there, but the week before, his son was killed in an, in an ATV accident. Oh. And... Nobody expected Jeffrey to show up, and I didn't even think Jeffrey himself thought he was going to show up. Um, but he shows up, and of course, all of us in the crowd, in the audience, mm-hmm. we're sitting here thinking, how in the world are you going to get through? How are you even standing up right, right. now? And um, 
he starts to play this little thing on the guitar that sounds like this little Spanish thing on, on the guitar. Mm-hmm. And then he hits the lick that everybody knows. And the song is um, What Hurts the Most. Mm. That, that Rascal Flatts recorded and was a, a multi-week number one, one of the biggest songs Rascal Flatts ever recorded. Mm. And Jeffrey wrote it. But if, if you don't know the song, I, I encourage you to go listen to I it. I will. But I don't know this, that one, which is surprising because I know a lot of songs. He he started playing the song, and I mean he barely made it through the song. I mean by the time he's done, it's one of the most emotional songs you'll ever listen to in your entire life to begin with. But he told when he got done, he said I was not planning on being here. He said I wasn't planning on on doing anything for a very long time. He goes, but I made a commitment, so I showed up, and. He talked about how when he wrote that, you know, son was alive when he wrote that song mm. and how that that song now that his son had passed away took on a completely different meaning. Right. And I sit there and watched the healing process start mm. with him singing that song. And he was a different person when he started it than when he finished it. That's and incredible. It, I never, I've never seen... I've never seen anything like that in my life. How it, I, in literally four minutes, I would, I, in, right in front of my eyes, watch somebody change. And, and that, that's music. You know, that's what keeps us going back to the trough. Right. That, it's, it's that. It's that thing that tells us that we still have something to say. Mm-hmm. And, and I know for me, I have a lot left to say. I was going to say, I don't think there's any slowing down here with you. I was wondering, um, so on that note, I was wondering, you're doing something new on YouTube that I read about, and I'd like you to talk about that because it sounds pretty exciting and like a great way to give back to people. Well, it is, and, and it's. I hope I hope that's, that's the intention of it anyway, and I hope that that's, that's, where it, that's where it, what it ends up being, but I... I I hear from so many artists and I hear from so many songwriters and who are, you know, some of them are just getting started. Some of them have been doing it a while. Um, but what I find is that they are completely misinformed. Okay. And they are completely uneducated as to the real music business. And because what, what most people don't understand is we get into this business because we love it, because we, we buy into the music. We love music. But there's a there's a very fine line. The, the minute that it goes from you playing a song or writing a song to hoping that somebody spends a dollar on it, when you expect money in exchange for it, you are no longer in music. You're in the music business. And the business of music is just like every other business. It's cutthroat. Mm. And people carry their passion forward and they think that their passion is what's going to take them further and they don't have a proper education or know-how to handle themselves when it comes time to the business side of it. And if they, and I'd say a lot of times it's really misinformation because they, you're told that you have to do this and you have to do this. And all the, these things are designed to get people to spend all the money that they have so that they can't compete. <laughs> that's not fair. And, oh, it's not fair at all. But, you know, that's, that's, 
that is the way that it is. And, and, you know, people come to town and they, they, they come with full hearts. Uh, they come with talent, they come with dreams and they come with passion. And it takes about a year to two years for people telling them wrong information mm-hmm. and sending them in wrong directions. And then you see them and they have no passion. They have an empty heart and they hate music. Mm-hmm. And because they never learned the difference between music and music business. And so that's kind of what I want to do with the new YouTube thing is I'm going to start this. It's, it's actually going to be kind of multi fold, but I'm going to start a vlog, but then I'm also going to do a live thing. Uh, I'm going to try to do it live once every week where these artists can log on to my YouTube channel uh-huh. and during, during the live thing, they can ask anything they want to ask. That is you know, so is, cool. Is I want to, I've got the single ready to go. I want to hire an independent radio promotions team. You know, what should my expectations be? Should I do it? And I'll tell you, uh-huh. I'll tell you exactly what you should and what you shouldn't do. You know, I want to, I want to be a songwriter. Should I join this society over here that tells me they're going to help me and they're going to do all this? You know, how do I, how do I handle my finances? Is this worth it? Is that worth it? And, and really just be a source of information that gives real answers to these people because I I'm tired of seeing these artists, creative people be trampled on by our own industry just to keep them out of it. And it, it's there. Our industry right now is so happy with the little merry-go-round that they're on. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, we don't want to stop it for anybody else to get on. And we only let people on it who we want on it. Well, the world's a bigger place than that. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to be more inclusive of that. We have to allow people to come into this industry and be successful. We're not trying to take all the dinner, all the food off of your plate. They just want a seat at the table to eat themselves. Right. There's and, enough room I, for everyone. There is enough room for everybody. You know, I, I made the decision a long time ago that I gave up my seat at the big table. Mm-hmm. Because I just let all of them fight and I, I go around with the uh, dirt devil and, and pick up all the crumbs. You know, they end up knocking some pretty big chunks of chicken right. off onto the floor. Um, and, and I didn't have to fight for it. Right. So, you know, and, and that's that's really what I want to do is is be, I, I just, you know, I didn't have anybody. The, the music business in Nashville, the LA and Nashville are completely different, by the way. I would assume the, so, but yes. The way that it is in Nashville is there everybody's on a ladder uh-huh. and and if somebody looks down and sees you're coming up the ladder behind them they saw off the rung below them to keep you from getting where they're at Aww, there's enough it's room very for everyone don't they get that well you know that they are that'll never be something that they admit to right. or you know that that'll never be the business model in Nashville. Right. so yeah, I can you know see that. it, it there, there are things to avoid and, and there are things to partake in. They, you know, I, t- I did a, a blog a little while back that was shared a lot about building relationships in the music business. If, if you, you've got to, everybody in this business is just using each other. Mm-hmm. If you think you're building friends, friends, you're wrong. And, and, but if you know that going in, then you approach it differently. There's no, there's no price tag for feeling good. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. And I also, and I also know that it's not something, it's not a commodity. It's not something you can go purchase. 
um, those things, anything that, that I've ever paid money for, uh, was pretty much a short term gratification. And it's the things that I gave that I look back and I go, you know what? And it, it, it's kind of funny if I be real honest, it's the times when I gave that came back to pay me so much more that I wasn't expecting later on, you know, but, but you've got to be able to, to, to understand those things when they come back. They don't always come immediately right. back. And, but, and it can't be with the intention. It can't, it can't be with the intention of getting something back, just giving it, giving, forgiving for not forgiving, but giving for the sake of giving. And then if it does come back, it's just a reminder. You know what I mean? It just comes back well, it, unexpectedly. It, it is, you know, it is the, the, the best way you can do something for somebody and the best way you can give is silently. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I've seen it happen. My wife and I started doing this thing um, a few years ago. And, and I have to, I can't even take full credit. I didn't know she was doing it for a while. Um, because she didn't even want to tell me she was doing it. Uh, and then she just started feeling so good about doing it that she's like, I have to tell you, I feel so good because we're doing this. And I'm like, what are we doing? But, but you know, she went, she picks something every month. And, right. and we do believe that it's important to when you're, when you're blessed and you're given to give back. And she said, we need to start doing that. And I said, okay, great. And then I kind of dropped it. Well, she started doing it and I had no idea. Um, but she will pick something that she sees somebody in need Mm -hmm. and and she just whatever she can do she takes care of that need completely no note no nothing like i mean i i I remember this one because i remember the fallout from it and it was it was really amazing but we had um somebody that was she was friends with on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They were going through a, a very, 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 very difficult time. Okay. And financially. And, you know, these are, these are, and this is also, this is not somebody we did really well. Mm-hmm. But, but, but we knew them well enough to know what they were going through. Okay. And so she goes to Kroger and she buys a ton of prepaid Kroger cards. Uh-huh. And she took them, she just put them in an envelope, in a blank envelope, and stuck it in the mailbox, which I later told her was a federal crime. <laughs> so let, let's help people, but let's not go to prison for it. Um, and, and she just waited. And, she, and, and to this day, the lady has no clue. Hopefully she's not listening from. to my show. Yeah, hopefully not. Oh, no. Um, but it, it's... And I, I saw the look on her face whenever, you know, I, I th- this this lady was was going through this very publicly, mm-hmm. and and so when she was blessed publicly, she let everybody know that she was blessed, mm-hmm. and and the the cool thing for us was knowing that she would never know who did it, mm-hmm. that all all that mattered was that she put out there publicly that she needed help and somebody helped. Oh, that's gorgeous. That was the only thing that mattered. And that we I we I we got so much out of that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, we I'll tell you we got more out of it than the lady did. I'll tell you that. I, I mean the, the feeling that you get 
when you help somebody else just to help. And it's not charity. Mm-hmm. It's not feeling sorry for somebody. It is that thing of, you know what? We have all been there. Right. And, but there are brighter days ahead. And this is just to show you that there are, it's not a pity thing. It's, it, it's, you, you, I don't think you could ever give from that standpoint. Right. You give from where you're at. Right. And, and, and it's just about being there for other people. And, and, and it's, it's, it's the most rewarding thing ever. So with this thing that I'm going to do with YouTube, to me, that's, that's what it's about. You know, it, it's, it's about being accessible to people who need help and they need a resource and that they're not going to get a lot of honest answers when you look out into this business. That's an incredible gift though, that you're giving to people all these years of experience that you have and knowledge of working with so many different people and in different cities. I mean, that's an incredible gift. So when are you going to have when are you going to have that up and going? Is that in September? It, it is in September. I'm looking at. Uh, uh, I've actually I've been filming a little bit of stuff for the first vlog while I'm here in LA, um, and so that will be that will be going live the first week of September as nice. well. But I, I'm thinking the live thing will probably be. You know, I'll probably pick something like a have it on Thursdays or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where it's not at the beginning of people's week or the middle, but, right. you know, right there is just kind of winding down a little bit. And if, if most creative people are like me, they use, they don't really take off on weekends. They use the weekends to strategize. Absolutely. So, That's what I do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, we look at it, people like us, we look at it like, okay, everybody else is off on Saturday and Sunday. Well, yeah. I can get ahead if I work when they're not there. <laughs> It, it is. So, and plus we love what we do. So when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work on the weekend. It's just more fun, actually. It is. It, it, it is. I'm a workaholic, you know, and my wife will, will, will swear that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, I, I do. I, I do. You know, I still have things in, in my life and in, in my career that I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still I still set goals. I, I, I set achievable goals. I set realistic goals. I think more when I talk to new artists more times than not, the reason they don't succeed is because they've set goals that they can't possibly reach. Mm-hmm. And and you know, set real something you can tangible. Don't tell you yeah, this. I literally asked this girl last week. She was talking, and I said, "Where do you see yourself in a year?" She said, "Opening for Taylor Swift." <laughs> and I was like, "Seriously, that's where you see?" I mean, and I like started laughing because I thought she was joking. And, and she wasn't. And I'm like, well, you're all, let me tell you what you're going to be in a year. Really disappointed. <laughs> because, that ain't, because it ain't going to happen. I don't have great, how, I don't care how great you are and how much money you have. That is not going to happen. Well, I'm what does it take? Right what does it take to open for Taylor Swift? How many years of um, experience and money do you need? The only people that open for Taylor Swift are people that she likes. Okay. That, you know, and that's been Ed Sharon, that's been Sean Mendez. That's been things that she's been introduced to that she generally and organically likes. Okay. Um, there's not been a thing where, oh, you've sold so many records, so now you open for Taylor Swift. Is it she doesn't there? usually use her platform to promote other people or it, allow her platform to be promoted by other people. Is it always men that she chooses to open for her? I, you know what? I've never really thought about it, but now that you say it, yeah, it pretty much has been. 
Taylor and I, we'd be good friends because I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> well, you know, it, you know it, it's smart on several different levels. I mean, why would you want to, you know, a competing female artist share your billing? You exactly. Know, I, I wouldn't do it either. Right. So where, where can people find all this good stuff you're doing? Um, it's, I think it's the Steve Freeman everywhere. I, I, everything I do is going to be Instagram and, and YouTube based. Okay, I do have an Instagram question that a burning question. Is Starbucks giving you any kickback for all of your Instagram posts? Uh, no, they are not. <laughs> uh, but I am a stockholder. Oh, so, are you? oh okay. Uh, yeah, I, I look at every time I go to Starbucks as paying myself. Oh. <laughs> so, hey, no, I get that question a lot, though. And, and it's and it used to even when I was really active on Facebook, it was even a bigger deal then. If I didn't check in at Starbucks by a certain time, I would literally have people sending me messages asking me if I was okay. <laughs> hey, oh, and, and one I'll, other thing. I saw this really sweet video that you had on your website about your editing table desk table desk what is it it was like oh yeah super cool is that a house or is that at your office yeah that's that's my house that's the well that's my studio that's in my house okay um yeah but that was also at the old house i just bought a new house oh okay uh, that was at the old house but yeah that and i'll you know i'll say um i i got paid nothing that is truly a thing for argosy it's an argosy halo uh console Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I bought it. I paid full price for it. Okay. Um, I, I, I made a post about it that how much I liked it and Argosy contacted me and said, Hey, would you do an endorsement video for us? And nice. I said, I, I said, absolutely, because I believe in the product. So, and, and the funny thing of it is, and I do, you know, I do things like this because I, 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 I do endorse products that I believe in. I do have some that pay me. Okay. To, to endorse the products, but it's only because I actually do use them. I do believe in them and I actually refer a lot of business to them. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, Argosy is one that I did not. And I bet I've gotten 300 people contact me about that video going, Hey, I was thinking about buying one of those Argosy's. I mean, I know they gave you yours. And I'm like, no, <laughs> they didn't even pay me. I bought it. You should Full price. Do you say that? I don't think you say that in the video though. I don't think you do. I don't, I don't, I may not have. I, no, I it is uh, one sweet deal. My gosh. Like oh, it, it's awesome. Yeah. It makes my workflow so much easier. It worked good for you too. Uh, yeah. I was thinking that too. Do they want me to do an, or- an endorsement or something? I could do that. You want to contact them and tell them. Say, hey. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have the following yet. Yet. One of these days. <laughs> I would need to go to training oh, yeah. though. I'm still learning how to use GarageBand with, you know, some finesse, which is not a lot. Um, hey, you know what? I should mention, I don't know if you heard the song on my show on the intro, but um, a friend of mine, Jeff Smith, wrote that song just for the show. So it was kind of cool because I've never had a song written for me or anything. And oh, I, that's awesome. I know. I And I told him, he's a, he's a songwriter, musician up in Canada. And, um, I asked him, actually, I just, all I did was ask him where I can get some free music, meaning like, um, you know, the kind you can just download from places. That yeah, are royalty, royalty free. free. Yeah. Yes, thank you for correcting me there because I needed that. And um, he ended up going, well, hey, I'll just write something for you. And I thought he would write like a clip and he wrote an entire song and it actually matches the theme of the show, which is all about, um, well, glistening particles, obviously, but just the idea, like he used... I described to him my vision for the show and he wrote a song that actually 
totally matches it. So cool. It's up on no, iTunes. That's, that's, you should check it out. It's really good. Yeah. Well, I definitely will. I, that, that's, you know, that's something I've gotten into the last several years. I've written songs for a lot of TV shows, a lot yeah. of movies and, and stuff like that. And it's so cool to, to do stuff like that that is for something specific. It blew me away, actually. When he sent it to me, I'm like, this is an entire song and it's really good. <laughs> like, wow. And all I have to do is pay him some coffee. That's what I have to do when I get up to Canada to Toronto is um, take him out for coffee. That's it. To, That's... to Tim Hortons, I would bet. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so anyway. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky that way. You know, um, and I'm pretty lucky to have you here on the show today. This has been really delightful. First of all, learning about all these inside tips about the music industry, but also um, just I'm still stunned about the fact that you walked into that radio station and asked to talk to the owner. It's so cool. It's like, well, I have a rule. I have a rule that I live by, and you can live by it too. And it's the answer is always no if you don't ask. That's so, so true. That's so true. Like a good thing I asked you, right? Or it would have been... Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I get asked to do stuff, and, and the funny thing of it is, or, or somebody will send me a message and I'll respond, and people are like, I can't believe you responded to me. I know. I'm like, why? I'm just a human being like you. I mean, if I sent you a message, I, I sent somebody a message yesterday and they hadn't responded, and it's quite frankly pissed me off. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's, it's like, I, I just, you know. It's, 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 I'll take you all the way back to when we were five years old. Mm-hmm. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Exactly. It's that, it's that simple. I try to treat people how I want to be treated. That's you, all. You have definitely painted a really lovely picture of the Nashville and LA music industry. So thanks for um, representing. It was awesome. Hey, anytime <laughs> I can help. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I will look forward to talking with you again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, Jane. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. There's nothing better than talking with someone who is experienced in their industry. And there are three things that I took away from Steve's talk today. The first one is I need to find out where there's a podcast company that I can walk into and talk to the owner and ask them how I, you know, get to work with them and learn a few things. The second is that it is really important to assess the relationships I'm building around my work and passion. Which ones are friendships, which ones are business, and where do those those lines cross? The third thing is, I think I'm going to need one of those super cool studio rooms like he has because hopefully you aren't hearing my neighbor's lawnmower in the background, but that's how it goes here at Studio Glistening Particles. So I might have to figure out how to do that. Uh, If I were in the music industry though, and especially the country music industry, I will be reaching out to Steve and asking him for some advice and definitely checking out his new YouTube channel where you can ask questions live on Thursday nights. Thanks for listening, everyone. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.